touchdown, Arkansas State. Culver is safe. The Red Wolves have walked it off. Amir, coast to coast, lays it home with the right hand, and he's fouled. Welcome to the Second to None podcast, the A-State podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else, Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo. And we welcome you in to the Christmas edition of the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank, a big edition of Uh the show coming up here in just a little bit. We're going to be joined by a very special guest. A-State head coach Butch Jones dropping by. Historic on two fronts. Number one is going to be the first two-time, two-time guest in history. And the first to actually come right down the chimney and join us here in the studio. Santa and we, Jones. And we've left us some milk and cookies right here <laughs> waiting for his spot. Well, he's had a big week with the number one ranked signing class in the Sunbelt Conference. So we'll talk about that. Also, a lot to talk about on the A-State hoops front this week. And we go back to last week and you know, full transparency here. We release these episodes on Tuesday, but we record them on Monday. Mm-hmm. So last Monday, we sat here and recorded. It was Monday afternoon when we did that. Then Monday night, the news broke that A-State women's head coach, Matt Daniel, was resigning effective immediately and i think it took everybody by surprise it did and this uh this does not qualify and, and i understand why you would think it is but this does not qualify as a ten thirty eight p.m monday news dump uh that was not sat on and decided to just release after all the news was over this is when this went down all kind of developing quickly monday night and catching a lot of folks by surprise uh, so yeah, you know the team finds out in a meeting, you know somewhere in the neighborhood of you know twenty twenty one hours before they tip it off on Tuesday night that their their head coach was stepping down and it was quite a, a surprising bit of news that the timing of which was terrible for, at least from the standpoint of this podcast. Yeah, and you know we've got to know Matt Daniel over the last three years you know we knew him a little bit before but able to get to know him more these last three years that he's been at Arkansas State and wish him the best going forward Uh, certainly respect him a lot as a person and the timing is something that you don't see very often less than 24 hours before they tipped off against Mississippi Valley and to the credit of the team and to the coaching staff that remained Destiny Rogers taking over in the interim head coaching Mm -hmm. role. The women came out and responded in the best way possible with a blowout win over Mississippi Valley. And then a few days later, did the same thing against Hendricks at home. A a team, you know, go back to Mississippi Valley. I mean, honestly, you'd say, hey, two teams that at home maybe should beat big. Certainly Hendricks is okay. I mean, that's athletically, that's a mismatch. And that's no disrespect to the kids. It's just a totally different deal. So you set the Hendricks one off to the side. Mississippi Valley State, a team that you ought to feel like you ought to be able to go beat at home. But quite honestly, so was Northwestern State. And you know Northwestern State and Mississippi Valley went overtime against one another. So to come out and not just win, but do it in convincing fashion, this team is actually in both games since Coach Rogers has taken over. They've had a 20 to nothing run in both of them. We'll see if we can keep that streak going. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Good for Destiny Rogers, and it's fun. And you've called both of those games on ESPN Plus this past week. It's good to see the reaction from the players, number one. And for Destiny Rogers to come in, and it's something that, that we haven't seen in this role an African American female head coach being able to get a win here at Arkansas State is a big deal in itself. Well, there'd never been an African American female head coach coach a game for an Arkansas State team you know on off the top of my head the the African-American head coaches really in in a state athletics history off the top of my head would be David Gunn in an interim capacity for a bowl game Sean Forrest in an interim capacity when there were two really interim coaches following Dickie Nutt's departure and Tafadzwa Ziyinge his run as the head soccer coach and if I'm forgetting somebody, I apologize, but that's kind of just thinking about it. So there'd never been an African-American female head coach. 
to coach a game, yet alone win one. So uh, that's cool. And look, I had somebody, I can't take credit for this because I had somebody, you know, I told you off before we started that someone told me this, is that one possible silver lining in the timing of, of Matt Daniels' decision is that if, even if he knows he wants to be out, but he says, hey, I'm going to finish the year, in all likelihood, Destiny Rogers, just about no matter how the year goes, probably doesn't get a real strong look to be the, the next head coach. Here, she's got ample time, the entire Sunbelt Conference season, plus these last three non-conference games to try to, you know, state her case. And, and you know, I talked to Tom Bowen on, on my show the, the next day, on Tuesday before this team played. And his view, the way he put it, it's not like Destiny Rogers is a placeholder while he works all day every day to hire the next women's coach. For now, in his view, he's hired the head coach at Arkansas State. And we'll, we'll see what happens from here. So the women, after the two wins last week, now six and six on the season, they'll wrap up non-conference play coming up Wednesday at Southern Illinois Edwardsville. Meanwhile, the A-State men had a couple of games of their own last week, and it started Tuesday at 25th ranked Texas Tech. And, you know, this was a game that I was looking forward to. I'm from Texas, but unless you've got a reason to go to Lubbock, it's not a place that you just drive through. So I really hadn't spent much time in Lubbock before. In my time at A-State, we've never played Texas Tech in anything. So it was neat to go there and play a top 25 opponent on the road. This was a Texas Tech team that went into the game, I think, leading the nation in offensive rebounding. They were third in the country in rebounding margin. Top 20 nationally in field goal percentage defense. Top 20 in forcing turnovers. Knew it would be a really tough challenge for the A-State men uh, going up against the Red Raiders. It was 45-28 Texas Tech at the half. But I thought the Red Wolves responded with probably their best half of basketball all season long. At least it was to that point. And... Yeah, well, the best I can remember calling in a, a really long time actually outscored the Red Raiders in the second half, 34 to 30. We mentioned how good Tech was on the boards. A-State was dead even on the glass with Tech in the second half. And for the game, the Red Wolves finished with 17 assists and just 10 turnovers. You, know, you mentioned that 17-point deficit at the half. It got as high as 24 with still 12 12- Full 12 minutes to go. Yeah. So at that point, like if you want to, you can just get beat 35, right? I mean, pretty easy and nobody had batted an eye. Instead, they outscored them 21-10 the rest of the way. You gave 10 points the last 12 minutes. And you got that back, the 13-point margin that was the final. A-State plus five in the turnover margin. We mentioned they only turned it over 10 times. Texas Tech forced in the 15 turnovers. Marquise Davis had a good game in this one. He had a season high with 17 points getting the start. I thought Marquise Eaton was really, really good. 15 points, five assists. Didn't turn the ball over. There there was a really pretty alley-oop from half court from Marquise Eaton to Marquise Davis. That was a highlight real play. The rebound goes to A-State. Robovich able to come down with it. Eaton long feed to Davis. Throws it down with two hands. The half-court alley-oop from Eaton to Marquise Davis. That was pretty. And then later in the game, in the second half, Norshad O'Meara, and I'm sure you've seen the Mm -hmm. highlight by now, had one of the best blocks you'll ever see when one of the Tech players was cutting right down the middle and tried to go up for a dunk. You see arms inbound with 4.04 to go. Lob it in, left wing to McCuller. Hits the cutter, Warren, and Norshad O'Meara got an amazing block. He blocked the dunk. Yeah, that, that one made the rounds. But Here's what I thought maybe the, the biggest takeaway from this game is. You're talking about how well this team played in the second half, and you told me we were talking on the phone the next day. This is not just what you're saying on the podcast. You told me when we were just chatting it up. That's the best I've seen an A-State team play in a long time. You're talking about this in a night where Caleb Fields, Desi Seals, and Norshad O'Meara had two field goals combined. Yep. Desi was 0 for 6 from the field, but he had a career-high 9 assists. And he helped the team in so many other ways other than scoring and he also had three steals I thought the ball movement was sensational the way they drove and kicked out they made those extra passes it it was really really 
a good brand of basketball. And the good news was, after you lose 75-62, you're able to build on the momentum of the second half of that game and take it into a game I know you and I were really looking forward to on Sunday at home against Air Force, an Air Force team that came into Jonesboro with a record of seven and two. Yeah, I, I was looking forward to this one. Really, when the schedule came out, when you see a you know a brand like Air Force, because we know, and if you don't know, you ought to know the struggle in teams like Arkansas State scheduling non-conference home games. So to get a program like Air Force in here was exciting by itself. And then when you started looking at the game, you're like, you know, this this will be a, an entertaining ball game and a really good measuring stick for this team would Sunbelt play right around the corner. A-State dominated the game yep. from the start. In fact, they never trailed Air Force on Sunday afternoon. They end up winning 68 68- to 46 and they just got it done on both ends of the floor they shot 47 percent from the field they out rebounded air force by 15 44 29 and that was a big air force team they had some big bodies on that roster but the red wolves controlled the glass and defensively you know air force came into that game shooting 48 percent on the year and the red wolves hold them to 32 percent in short they out air forced air force Really, they sort of beat Joe Scott at his own game, just locking teams down defensively. I mean, mm-hmm. 68 points is still under Arkansas State's average, and it's the most points Air Force has allowed all year. It turned into just a really impressive win. And some guys individually that really stood out, Norshad O'Meara had a monster game, 22 points. 16 rebounds and six block shots. And I think Mark Taylor from Sports Information had gone back. Uh, I think it was the most blocked shots in a game since Jason Jennings, maybe. <laughs> so you're going back almost 20 years the last time that happens. Well, I, I wonder, like, not just Arkansas State, but I mean, I want to know how many people in the country have had that stat line. And as impressive as anything, 16 boards, but eight of them were on the offensive end. So the effort that Norshad puts on the glass is is really impressive. And, you know, it it turned into a a big performance. And and look, he did that in 24 minutes. That's 22 points, 16 boards, and six blocks in just 24 minutes against a good team. He's now played in 33 college basketball games. He has double-doubles in... 21 of wow. the 33 that is his sixth career double double of at least 15 and 15 and now i didn't know that i didn't put that together yeah it's unbelievable marquis eaton i thought helped set the tone from the start he and caleb fields were really really good uh, keys finishes with 16 points and seven rebounds and you know another big storyline from that air force game was you know, Desi Sills was sick from the time he got back from Texas Tech until the game Sunday. He didn't practice from Wednesday all the way in, until the Air Force game. He was he was tested three times for COVID. He didn't have COVID, but he was sick and he was in his room and he was zooming in to team meetings and obviously staying connected that way, but he didn't feel well at all. In fact, when Coach Bellato and I did our pregame interview Sunday, he said, I don't know if Desi's going to be able to play. You could see it in his eyes. I had benefit of you know, being able to look at a TV monitor right in front of me. And anytime you, when he's on the floor, you, you could look at his eyes and see that was a dude that didn't feel very well. He played four minutes in the first half, played nine minutes in the second half. And in his 13 minutes, he scores 12 points. So, he was able to come in and contribute, even though he was far from a hundred percent. Yeah, it was just a good performance uh, in really what turned out to be a one-sided win. You know, I know there's a, a non-conference game to go that we'll talk about, but really, in terms of trying to be where you want to be going into Sunbelt play, Sunday is the, the one that got you there. You can make a case now, dating back to the second half. Uh, of the Texas Tech game, the Red Wolves have played their three best halves of the season the last three halves that they've played. So good to take a little bit of momentum into conference play. And, of course, conference play 
coming up on December 30th. The first game will be at home against Georgia State. Lion College before that coming up Tuesday afternoon. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But coming up next, joining us in studio, the head football coach of the Red Wolves, Butch Jones. Stay tuned for that on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. You raised your family here. Did every July 4th here refinished the floors here twice sized up your daughter's boyfriends here waited in the doorway all day when your son was coming home on leave this place has given you all you've dreamed of and now it's giving again in the form of a gourmet kitchen and the quietest dishwasher known to man realize your dream with a home equity line of credit from simmons bank dreams realized simmonsbank.com member fdic equal housing lender subject to credit approval back on the second to none podcast presented by simmons bank pleased to be joined in studio now by our friend and the head coach of the a-state football program butch jones and you know we got a lot to talk about i want to start off this way and i know brad feels the same way about this i just want to say thanks Mm -hmm. number one because i know with your track record and the places you've been, there's good reason for you to be guarded when it comes to talking with media. And obviously, you know, us being part of the broadcast team is a little bit different. But at the same time, you don't know what what you're going to get when a, a new head coach comes in. And you have been welcoming us with open arms from the start and want to thank you for that with me with brad you've been all access i know philip and i had a chance to sit in on a couple of meetings uh, during the course of the season you've let us do that as well but uh, uh, thank you because that does mean a lot well i appreciate that you guys mean a lot to me as well in the program and like i said from day one we're all in it together and uh you know so you know, it's been great to have you guys around and kind of see, you know, kind of what we've been talking about, kind of watch practice and kind of see it come to light a little bit. So, again, I appreciate everything that y'all do as well and looking forward to a number of great years together. I, I didn't really know we would start down this path. It was kind of funny because this question popped into my head when I knew we were going to sit and talk. As you come here, we're talking about sort of the apprehension of not knowing what a new coach is like. What apprehension – was there on your end not knowing what a new bunch of media was like? Because let's be honest, you've been places where they, they just tried to trip you up. How long take you figure out that wasn't the deal here? At a very relatively early stage of being here. And uh, obviously was informed all the great people and, and, you know, all the supportive people and found that out at a very early stage of being here. And then again, just having a mentality that, going to be very transparent, going to be very honest. There's sometimes things I can't talk about, but just, you know, we're going to be who we are and uh, we're all in it together of building a football program. And that's the thing is it's, it's, it's a whole community. Uh, It's the media, it's everybody rallying behind the football program. And I found out also at an early stage of just how important Arkansas state football is in Northeast Arkansas, Jonesboro and everyone around the country, our alumni, our former players. So I'll be honest with you. It's I've enjoyed it. It's kind of been a breath of fresh air, so to speak. And uh, again, we have some great, great people here. And, uh, you know, so I think also when you when you come to the press conferences or anything when it has regard to do with media, it's all natural. Um, You know, it's a want. You know, there isn't anyone trying to trick you into doing anything. It's just it's very, very natural. And uh, that's what I like is it's real. And that's what I like about being here is there's so many great people, you know, and again, it's it's pure. I guess that's the best word to say is it's pure in every sense of the way. The transparency is something that I know media folks certainly respect. And, you know, and obviously we see it from our end as well. And one thing because of that transparency and and because we have had the access that we do, that we've seen is just your overall commitment to recruiting. And with you, with your staff, it just never stops. And we've seen some dividends now. And, you know, the rankings coming out after signing day last week, the number one signing class in the Sunbelt Conference. I don't know how much that means to you, having that number one ranking. But at the same time, 
I know you're pleased with the 18 young men that you're able to bring in. Well, we're very pleased. And, you know, again, rankings are a lot for the fans and everyone involved. And we have our own rankings. And, and we felt we had the best class that we could possibly assemble in a class that's really going to be kind of on the forefront of building this program where we want to take it. And like I've said in our press conference, we have a recruiting profile and we recruit to that recruiting profile. And uh, again, we don't really care at the end of the day who's recruiting them as long as they fit our profile. However, every single individual, we were in a recruiting battle. And I get a call today and, you know, they're like, Coach uh, Ahmad Robinson, um, you know, it's two days before signing date and there's an SEC school trying to talk to him about, you don't even have a secondary coach. How can you go to that school when they don't have a secondary coach? And when you look at just the individuals we signed in the back end of our defense, not one of these individuals asked about who their position coach would be because they trusted us. They trusted me. You know, I told them what we were going to look for in the next coach. And again, that's where this recruiting class, this is a full year of building relationships and them having numerous trips to Jonesboro on unofficial visits, them getting to know our current players as well. So again, when you look at it, it was a full year in the making. And again, recruiting is a lifeline of any program. And any recruiting class is really, truly judged, not on signing day, but two to three years down the road. So we'll be able to do this podcast two or three years down the road, and we'll look back at this signing class. And I feel very confident of saying that we're going to look back and we're going to say this really set the stage for the future years of Arkansas State football. You and I talked actually at one of your press conferences uh, about can you use the record to your advantage in terms of sell immediate playing time. You said, yes, you can, but everybody else is going to try to use it against That's you. Right. As I guess that was the case as you were out on the trail. Well, it's remarkable when you really look at it. You know, unfortunately, we were 2-10, and 10, but it is what it is, and now we have to continue to build it. We have to own it, and that's what we did in recruiting. And we knew that, you know, institutions were going to use that against us, but it was them to come in and be the foundational piece, you know, to start to build a legacy. And I think they really rallied around that. It's centered around Jackson Daly. He kind of became the centerpiece, so to speak, the spokesperson with other recruits. And then you could see the momentum start to build as they started to recruit each other. And then, you know, the numerous conversations as we're going throughout the course of the season, coach, you know, you're on track, the culture is being in place, we're behind you. But I think the other thing is the parents and all the influencers behind the individuals that signed on Wednesday is you could see that kind of, they wanted that challenge of being part of Arkansas State football and really being the true f first full recruiting class that we had to continue to get this program where we want it to be. And like I said, now, you know, the challenge in recruiting, every year you try to out-recruit each class. That's kind of the mindset. That's kind of the mentality. We have to still close on this class. We still have a, a few scholarships left and then some blue shirt opportunities as well. But we're also working on assembling the next class as well. And again, what you'll see is we'll start to build relationships through camps, unofficial visits that, uh, you know, individuals that are in 10th grade, 11th grade. That's how you continue to recruit at a high level. One thing that I know you and I kind of half joked about throughout the course of the season. We'd, we'd sit down on Thursdays and, and kind of go through our pregame visits. And one thing you, you said about recruiting several times to me was we're looking for large humans. We need <laughs> large humans on the offensive line, obviously the interior of that defensive front. I know those were things that, that you needed to address, but it was pretty cool the other day. The, the first name through was an extremely large human, Elijah Zolikoffer, 6'6", 330 pounds. Yes, and uh, 330 may be kind, but we're, <laughs> we're going to work him into shape. Uh, but he had a number of SEC offers, and that's kind of the size that they play within that conference. But when you look at it, it's also the developmental stage of these individuals as well. When you look at Alaric Watson, 
you know, he's an individual that was about 330, 340 pounds a couple years ago, and he lost all that weight, and he's at about 265, 270 right now. But I think the other thing is, is the growth potential. When you look at Eric Fisher that we had at Central Michigan, who was the number one overall pick of the Kansas City Chiefs, and now he's a starting right tackle for the Indianapolis Colts. He was probably about six foot five, six foot six, 240, 245 pounds. So you have to look at do they have the structure? And then you kind of have to be a visionary is where do we see him when he gets with Jeff Jones in the sports performance and then adding the, the proper weight on that it needs to to be a big human or big individual that we talk about. But Elijah's one of those individuals, very agile, has really good feet and plays with a mentality and really fit our profile. I wanted to ask about Jeff Jones and your athletic performance staff because a lot of times you guys obviously they're prospects you're having to project not just their skill level but physically how much weight can you put on a guy how much weight can you take off a guy what can their body be like does coach Jones factor in those conversations in the recruiting process absolutely every step of the way and it really begins when we can get a young man on campus for one of our camps or an unofficial visit we're able to height wait, you know, measure everything about him, spend some time with Jeff Jones and the staff, you know, and kind of look at their profile. And, and, you know, we rely a lot on that staff in terms of, okay, growth potential. How much weight do you think he can handle? How long of a process is it going to be to put the weight on him or take the weight off of him? So there's a lot that goes into it. And then when they come on their official visit, they have a physical as well. So there's a lot that goes into it in terms of kind of looking in a crystal ball and say, okay, one year in our program, where do we see him? Year two in our program, where do we see him? You mentioned Jackson Daly, and I want you to talk a little bit more about him because this is a young man that had a whole lot of offers from really big schools, uh, several Big Ten schools in particular, and he never wavered from the start. He was 100% all in. I want to know what you like about him as a quarterback here at Arkansas State, but also it's pretty clear just his leadership ability already. He had a great visit with Brad during his show last week, and you heard him talk about how he's reached out to so many members of this signing class, and you know he was another you know, another recruiter for you during this process. The first word that comes in my mind when we talk about Jackson Daly is winner. Has all the quarterback intangibles uh, that you could think of. Leadership capabilities uh, is endless. Uh, his work ethic, his his driven to be great every single day. You look at his family background. Mother is a girls varsity uh, basketball coach. Father is a high school principal. Father actually played linebacker at Iowa. And so when you really look at the bloodlines of, of their family, just it, it's one of those home visits I truly love because just what a great family. And I loved all the home visits, but they're a special family and, you know, be able to go around and, and meet everyone in the high school and the middle school and everybody in the community. Won a state championship, uh, was the MVP of the game. And so I also had an opportunity to watch him play live. So during our open week, uh, Coach Heckendorf and I flew in there and watched him perform. Uh, gosh, there was about 10,000 people at the game. So he's played in front of crowds. There's high expectations, and he just took over the game. So, again, it's great to have him as kind of the building block of the future. And, again, just a winner in every sense of the way. It was interesting to say you know, he, he sort of stumbled across Arkansas State from the first time. He said he saw the game against Kansas State in 2020. But it wasn't long after that that he says he gets contacted by Keith Heckendorf. And you know, so he had that point of reference, having seen the play. But, I mean, he was very quick to point out the relationship with Coach Heck. They had a great relationship. And then what happened over time is Jackson built a relationship with everybody in our organization and our football family from our current players to every staff member, you know, I want to say they broke the record for unofficial visits. And I think that's the other thing when you go into it, the hidden piece is you have to get these individuals on campus numerous times. Well, what happens now when you get them on their, on your campus for numerous times, now they're, they start to look for reasons not to come. So you have to make sure that you, you show them bits and pieces, knowing that they're going to come back a number of times. And, they fell in love with the Jonesboro community. And I think they've 
eaten at every uh, eating establishment you can here. And they had a checklist. And so, you know, I think the inordinate amount of times of having these individuals on unofficial visits. The other thing is, and again, it's an approach that we take in recruiting, is we need to get individuals in our camps. And so when the NCAA allowed us to have the one-day camps in the month of June that we had, over half of this signing class we work with on our campus, you know, another third of the class from that, we were able to work with them at different camps around the country. So we were able to see them live, see them compete live. And Jackson's one of those individuals that, uh, you know, came in here and threw for us. And we could see that he had tremendous arm talent, very, very accurate, but just his intensity, it kind of, I don't ever want to make this analogy, but it kind of reminded me of, of Peyton Manning in terms of Peyton Manning coming and throwing with our football team and the intensity, even his approach to the way he took in warm-ups, the way he warmed up. I could see a lot of those same characteristics in Jackson. You really continue to go back to these relationships, and the relationships have been built over a long period of time. That was the case with Jackson Daly, and I remember you telling me, oh, a few weeks ago about you know a mother that uh, on a visit you you had come and you know she ran off another coaching staff that was trying to come up to the house while you were there and really that's just a reflection of you know the the kind of solid relationships that that you've already built with these young men well that's exactly right and i think trust is earned over time and we earn that trust and uh, yeah we were standing in a parking lot of a high school and this was an sec coaching staff there and mama came up and said, what are you guys doing here? Get out. And uh, I can say that's probably the first time that's happened to me in a parking lot of a high school. So I knew right then and there that their interest was real and the relationship was real. And, you know, those two weeks uh, were so critical in really establishing and making sure that this, this recruiting class and their commitments were solidified and they have the ability to go fly across the country. That's the other advantage with our commitment by our administration, individuals that were willing to give us their planes in order to do that. If we weren't able to do that, I don't think we assembled a class that we had. I was able to get all the prospective uh, student athletes' houses or meet them at a restaurant, spend quality time with them, meet people in the community, all that that goes into really kind of closing. It's one thing to be able to recruit a young man. Mm -hmm. It's another to have the ability to close. And that's where I challenged our staff is, you know, going into the, the two weeks prior to the early signing period is we had invested a lot of time, effort, and energy into these commitments, into this recruiting class. But then all of a sudden, when when the contact period began, you almost had to re-recruit them. And so now we had to make sure that that year's investment, mm-hmm. because you know when we said we're going to have a different approach in recruiting, it's been a year-long deal, but it's been a total investment with mm-hmm. you know time spent. Um, you know, a lot of these individuals came here for unofficial visits during games. They wanted to see the game day atmosphere in Jonesboro. So there was a lot that went into it. But those two weeks and, uh, you know, our coaching staff did a tremendous job of really having that ability to close throughout the course of those two weeks. Butch Jones with us on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. I, I want to talk specifically in a moment about Matt Wilson, but first two relationships. And he sat on this story sort of until signing day was over and then put it out. He gets approached by someone he'd known for 20 <laughs> years at Briarcrest at one point and says, hey, we've got this basketball kid that came out that is, the comparison was Javon Kurz. He said, this kid's a freak. Same day, Spencer Grubbs, he says, comes in and says, hey, we've we've heard about this kid over at Briarcrest. This would be a key Ron Crawford, and that was the note Wednesday ended on you went into it knowing there were 17 you were banking on I would say technically sweated out number 18 but you guys weren't sweating I've never seen somebody so confident that they were going to land a recruit in a one-on-one battle with a team that just played for the Big Ten title well again it gets back to relationships and that relationship was built over time and then obviously you know, we had some contacts at the school and, and we've always recruited Memphis and you know when Matt Wilson was at Indiana, they also invested in, in Memphis. So we have great inroads there. And, you know, I felt we had done everything that we could 
in his recruitment in terms of, you know, just building the relationships, building the trust. We felt he had a great official visit here when he when he made his official visit the first weekend in December. And uh, I felt very confident. And But you never know until Spencer Grubbs came in and gave me the 18th signee, which I'll always keep that note because, again, I think that – just exemplifies everything that we've been preaching is we want to recruit against the best of the best and you're going to win some, you're going to lose some that's recruiting. But uh, I feel very confident in what we have to sell here, what we're building here and the people that we have in place here to be very successful. Again, Kieran Crawford, a defensive end out of Briarcrest in Memphis and had only played football his senior year. And if I'm not mistaken, that was the same case with Jojo Azugu. He didn't play football until his senior year of high school. Well, I think, you know, I think you saw with JoJo and I, and I think with Crawford coming up is their best football lies ahead of them. And so they're going to do nothing but get better. But when you watched, you know, when you watch Kieran's highlights, but we don't only, only just dibble and dabble in the highlights. We watch games and we want to watch a number of games and, and we continue to evaluate these individuals even when they were committed to us. We would continue to to evaluate them every single week um, to see how they're playing and make sure they continue to fit our profile. When you watch Crawford, just the athleticism, the explosiveness, uh, the way he played, uh, we're excited because we can teach him our style of play even more. So again, I, I like individuals who just started playing because they don't have a lot of bad habits yeah. you know you're able to grow and develop them and obviously he'll be one of those that we have to do a great job of developing well, we mentioned you know matt wilson his title is director of player personnel now uh, two things which kind of described that job but two here's a guy who was one of if not the very first move you made and it's not an on-field position coach so talk about the job and then why he's so good at it that that was such a quick move for you well, Matt does so many things in our football program, uh, but he basically oversees the entire recruiting process, the organization, telling coaches where they're going, who they're going to visit with, just the overall organization, the, the recruiting profiles. And he knows me. You know, we were together at Tennessee. Um, then he went left and ventured off and ran his own program at Indiana. Then he goes to the SEC in Mississippi State. And we're very fortunate and blessed to have him. But Everyone involved in, in our recruiting department, Spencer Grubbs, was with us at Tennessee. He understands the SEC mentality, which you recruit the way, you know, you search and find guys, just the relationships, the organizational skills that go into it. Tessa Akers was at Michigan State, was at Colorado. She gets it that when a young man comes on campus, and our official visits um, will stack up against anybody in America. And so there's everything that goes on behind the scenes. You know, then it's also with Matt Wilson is it's assembling student workers, you know, that that can work around the clock in search and find and different things. And, you know, creating a program where if there's a young man that's a student here that may get in and want to get into recruiting or NFL scouting, you know, it's a great bridge. And, and we've had to work our way through that. Um, we're still not where we need to be with the overall student population of our workforce, but we're working on developing that program. But again, Matt does everything. And I think the biggest thing, he knows what we're looking for. He knows me. He knows the amount of time that we're going to invest into recruiting. And he understands the importance. Uh, you know, it all stems to having good players, players that you can develop year in and year out. That's how you win. So you brought in these 18 players. How many do you expect to be in here for spring camp? Well, as of right now, we're going to have eight. And uh, hopefully that, that will grow here in the next week or two. But we'll see. But again, to be able to get almost half the class in is going to be critical in terms of them really learning w what it takes in our football program, also the growth and development, and then having spring football. You know, the other thing that – you know, you go back to Jackson Daly is his first impression uh, was during the restrictions of COVID uh, when we had our spring game. And so, you know, we were relentless in terms of trying to get people at our spring game, trying to make sure that our in-game uh, entertainment, 
uh, to create an atmosphere around the spring game because so many of these individuals we weren't able to have face-to-face contact or communication with. I couldn't even look at them in the stands and wave to them. So we were under heavy restrictions by the NCAA of what you could and couldn't do during your spring game and still in those COVID restrictions. So they were kind of on their own. So they showed up, sat in the stands, you know, kind of went in the community on their own, walked campus by themselves. So that's why, too, when I talk about it, it takes a village. Mm-hmm. It takes a commitment for a recruiting class. All those first impressions were kind of born on their own during the COVID restrictions. We're talking about this class, rightfully so, where it ranked in the Sunbelt, where it ranked nationally. That's the great part. Now, the tough part is because you did exactly what you said you were going to do, build this on high school recruiting, it kind of goes in the oven for a while yep. as opposed to the microwave. So you you sign this great class, and it's not necessarily a big group of guys are going to be on the field seeing that in 2022. Again, we'll, we'll cross that bridge, and that's why having eight of these individuals in the signing class, having them here for spring football – for an off-season strength and conditioning program is paramount. It's invaluable. So to be able to get them here, that kind of almost jump-starts their growth and development. The other thing that it'll lend itself to is when the rest of the, the signing class ends up on campus June 1st, they will become the leaders of that class. They will be able to show them the ways, the principles, the values of our program, you know, kind of the expectations. So that'll also help that class of having a number of individuals here for spring football. You you do bring in a good number of high school signees, but you have addressed some immediate needs. And when you walked in today, one of the first things you said was, we still have a couple of spots left and you're treating these like golden tickets. Well, they are golden tickets for us because, you know, when you have the limited numbers that we have to sign, if, if we would have had a full signing class of 25, you know, we would have been able to fix a lot of our deficiencies. But unfortunately, that's not where we're at as a program. So every scholarship, every commitment, every signee is paramount in your growth and development. And the last couple spots that we have, we need some older, mature players to come in at certain positions and really help fix our deficiencies and really not only help on the field, but off the field, in the locker room, in the sports performance area, everything that we're doing with our culture. So we're making sure that we're doing all of our due diligence. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's almost like an NFL approach. And I tried to teach our players that in the NFL, when it comes draft time, you know, all these franchises, all these uh, NFL teams, they're not looking to draft guys they are looking for reasons to not draft them. And so that's kind of the approach too, is, you know, now all of a sudden, okay, we're also inviting players into our football family. And that's got to be kind of our makeup and from a character development, from a competitive component. That's the other thing I spoke about is we wanted to make sure we had individuals in this class that were extremely, extremely competitive in everything that they do. So they have the ability to go and watch them practice basketball. You know, I went and watched Kieran Crawford play basketball at Briarcrest. So to be able to watch him compete on the basketball court – all those things were critical in assembling this class. It's interesting. I just saw a clip late last week. It was a Coach Nick Saban clip. And he was talking about uh, the message he gives his guys about their basically their draft status, their draft report, what are NFL guys saying about them. And it was spot on beyond just football. He said they're going to go through all the physical stuff and all the things. And then they're either going to say and – or right. but you're an and or a but yeah and i thought and I, obviously you've heard that and it's i mean it's really really good because and is going to mean he's a high character kid he's this he's that teammates love him professors love him That's but right. is going to be the other direction you don't want to be part of the but statement yeah. And so that's what we talk about all the time is you can go in and he's a great player. He's going to be very competitive, but he's going to be an issue off the field. Or he can be a great player. He's a great competitor and he's a great leader. So that's what we talk about all the time with our current players. But also through this profile, that was the same thing that, you know, philosophy wise that we had. We've talked about this class. I, I do want to talk about a couple of players that were already on the roster. 
At the end of the year, Marcel Murray had announced that he was intending to transfer. He had put his name in the portal. And then here in the last couple of weeks, he has taken his name out of the portal. Talk about you know that process and how Marcel was able to come back to you and, and get back on, on the team. Well, even when Marcel entered the portal, we had some discussions and, uh, you know, kind of stayed in touch and then, you know, received the phone call. And, you know, I said, Marcel had done everything right in our program. High character individual, um, has a lot of ability, was slowed by injuries this year, but, uh, you know, gave him the opportunity to speak and why he wanted to rejoin our football family. And uh, I thought he had earned the right to do that. And uh, I believe in him. So we welcomed him back. And I know he's excited uh, to be coming back as well. I'll ask you the question Arkansas State fans are thinking right now when they hear you talk about this kid. Because we saw a guy that burst onto the scene. And since then, for whatever reason, bad luck, bad health, whatever, it hasn't been able to get to that point just because he hasn't been on the field enough. What has to happen to change that for Marcel Murray to be on the field more? Well, I think he would be the first to tell you it starts with a great offseason. You know, and the mark of a great running back is durability. And so we have to work on his durability continually with sports performance in terms of getting bigger, getting stronger, being more durable, building everything up. Um, And he understands that. So I think the big thing is just for him is just the ability to be durable you know, the mental toughness that goes into it, continuing to educate, not him, but everyone in our football program in terms of growth and development. I'll tell you a great story that I haven't told anyone this, um, but it's all about education in our football program. So when we played Georgia State, we stayed in the exact same hotel as the New England Patriots. And so, you know, we had the same menus, same schedule, everything, pretty standard. So I called the food and beverage department of the hotel and I said okay can you kind of give me a comparison and they started laughing and they said well coach you guys had the same night before meal that the New England Patriots had and they said with New England we ran out of all the vegetables all the salads and all the meat they said with your football team you ran out of all the carbs and all the ice cream (laughs) and I'm like what oh and the rolls And so, again, that'll be as we continue to educate our players, you know, your body's your asset and what you put in is what you put out. And so, again, we're going to have a full off season on nutrition because that goes hand in hand with developing. And so I just thought that was kind of very symbolic of everything that we're working on to educate our football players and our football program and how we move forward with everything. So I thought it was kind of funny, but sad at the same time. And so I told the team that. So the last game of the year, it's like nobody wanted to touch the ice cream. They were waiting to see who would be the first one up. And finally, hey guys, you can have the ice cream. Let's just make sure we understand that you can't overdo it. So again, that's just part of the growth and maturation of a football program. What made you do that? Did you just have a hunch that yeah, that's what you would hear? I watch anything and everything, and sometimes I don't say anything, but I just kind of watch, and I watch the numerous trips up there, and, uh, you know, and I just felt it in my gut, and again, everything is about making us the best football program in America, so I want feedback, and, you know, we always talk about, right now, the hardest thing for anybody, whether you're an athlete, a non-athlete, you know, whatever you're in, is to look at yourself through a critical eye. And really, really be demanding of yourself. And it starts with me. And so I'm looking at everything in our program. What do we need to do better? What could I do better? What type of approach could we have taken here? So that was just part of trying to make us a better football program is because I know that, um, you know, we travel very similar. We're going to do everything first class. We're going to have the same meals. We're going to give our players every ample opportunity to be successful on game day. So it's just a follow-up mm-hmm. to kind of see where we're at and kind of get some feedback. Another player I want to ask you about on the current roster is Kevon Bennett. And I know we had a discussion toward the end of the year about, you know, what he wanted to do going into this coming season. And – Just kind of let us know where we're at with him. Is he coming back, number one? And number two, 
what is he going to be doing defensively if he is? Sure. Well, you know, take the approach. Individuals in our football program, they're going to be draftable individuals. And hopefully with a couple more recruiting classes like we had this past early signing period, we're going to have a number of individuals that have an opportunity to play in the National Football League. I think, first of all, it's NFL education and making sure they're NFL ready. There's one thing to say you play in the NFL. There's another to have a career in the NFL. And the average lifespan of an NFL player is just a little under three years. And the most important thing an individual has to have is their education. Um, Because if you go play in the National Football League, that career is going to be over with very soon. And then you have the rest of your life. And you have to make sure you have a great education, a great basis to go back on. So everything is about making sure our players have their degree. But you treat every individual on an individual basis. And so sat down with Kavan and his mother and his father and kind of mapped out where he would be at. Um, you know, so kind of everything that we did at the other places I've been, the same thing here, try to give them education, feedback. And then what do they want to accomplish? What are their goals? Where do they see themselves five years from now? And uh, so as of right now, Kavan Bennett's coming back. And we're excited about that. He needs to get his education. He needs to be a leader. He has to help us get this program to where we need it to be. And then we're going to do some different things structurally, defensively, to help him as well. And everything's about how can we create value for him and create value for the team. Because if you create value for the individual, the team is also going to have value because you've created that value. So we're going to do some different things of being able to move him around, stand him up in a two-point position, whether it's outside linebacker, whether it's inside linebacker, and really have some position flexibility with him. But like I told him, if this is a commitment that he wants to make, it's going to start with him in the sports performance area when we come back of really working his skill set and challenge him that way. Mm-hmm. And he's got to be willing to – be comfortable being uncomfortable in terms of learning all those different things that go into that. And I know he's excited. I just spoke to him a couple days ago, and he's already looking forward to that journey, but also being a leader on this football team as well. I don't know that there's a question here as much as a comment. comment I just wanted to make to you, just so it can be said and the head coach can hear it, because it's a spot on the field that can be easy to overlook. But I got to say, I think the most improved player – on the football team this last year was Tristan Matson because uh, it was an adventure to say the least early in this young man's career and to see him just time and time again stick it in the end zone and make teams go 75 yards was uh, was was really cool to watch happen. Well, it helps your kickoff team. Uh, and, you know, everything is about vertical field position, controlling vertical field position. So to be able to have that luxury, he did a very good job. And I think it's a byproduct of competition. And he's going to continue to be pushed. You know, we have a young man, Aiden Ellison, out of Naperville, Illinois, that was neck and neck with him every single week on who would handle the kickoff duties. So, again, when you look at obviously we know with Blake Groupie, at that position, but now you have a number of other individuals that provide that competition. And again, competition is healthy, and that's why you got to be a great competitor. You can never run from competition because competition is going to make you who you are. It's going to make you better. So again, I think that's one of the byproducts of having that competitive depth at that position. It made all those individuals better. couple of coaching changes that you've made to your staff and I know there's still changes coming but at the same time uh, we talked to you beforehand and you said there are a couple of names you can talk about and uh, those being Robert Garth and Marcus Lovings tell us about these two and what they'll be doing I think it gets back to you know I'm very grateful for all the individuals that were here with us and everyone has a different reason and, and different goals in their careers of when they move on. But also it's an opportunity to improve. Um, just like recruiting, you know, I know exactly now after a year what we need, what the players need, what the staff needs. And the staff dynamics are so critical because there's five things that a college football coach has to do. And not everyone's five for five. So it becomes a balancing act on your coaching staff, but they have to be able to recruit. They have to be able to evaluate. 
They have to be able to teach the fundamentals and details of the game. They have to be able to scheme, and they have to be able to mentor and guide. And so those are the five things that we evaluate our coaching staff on. And then when we're hiring coaches, we look. So I knew what areas we need to do to improve. Uh, the first individual is is a is an individual by the name of Robert Garth that you just mentioned. Uh, played for me back in 1995 at Ferris State. By the way, just won the Division II National Championship on Saturday. So very proud of them and Coach Anise and everything he's done for that football program. But uh, And then Robert went on to play in the National Football League. And then, you know, he's been a longtime high school coach and different things. And, you know, I've always admired him from afar, his upbringing, where he came from. His mother actually lives in Memphis, so he's going to be our director of player growth and development. We've never had that here. So to really to be able to have that, uh, and everything is about our players, the development of our players. He's lived their life. He's walked their walk. Uh, he's an individual who you can go talk to. Uh, he's going to push them. He's going to love them. He's going to be demanding, but it gives them a resource outside of the coaching staff. And then I'm going to rely a lot on him. So we're excited to have him joining our football family. And then Marcus Lovings will be our running back coach. I have followed Marcus for a very, very long period of time. He has an interesting resume because he's basically coached just about every position. Uh, he's been a head coach for a year. He's the interim head coach at Austin P. And, uh, you know, we have a number of coaches on our staff that actually work with Marcus. And so I always tell our coaches, if you're going to recommend somebody, you're going to be responsible for them. And I've had a number of individuals come to me and say, Coach, I'll put my reputation, I'll put my job on the line for Marcus Lovings. So he's an individual that I've followed afar for many years. Um, he's been a defensive line coach recently, but he was the running back coach at Louisiana for seven years. He's the individual that was really instrumental in recruiting the players that they have, recruiting their NFL players. So he brings a whole nother dynamic to our staff. He's already here. Uh, he's been on campus. So really, really excited about him. So in other words, if you come up and say, hey, you ought to hire this guy, you're going to hit him with the fact check. Fact check. Give me fact check. <laughs> and uh, are you willing to put your relationship in, in, in uh you know, your reputation on the line for them? And that usually pretty much I know and – there was four individuals on our staff that came up to me and said, Coach, I put my reputation, I put my relationship with you on the line. Coach, we know you. He would be a great addition to the staff. He's what we need. And I had interviewed him last year. So I already kind of had a, a foundation with him and then interviewed him a number of times through recruiting. That's the other thing is you're trying to assemble this recruiting class, but also – when I had a free moment, I would interview, whether if I was in the same vicinity of them, I'd meet with them face to face, or it would be a Zoom call, a phone call. So you're trying to manage both and kind of compartmentalize everything that went into it. Uh, but again, I'm excited about the hires and we're pretty much done. We know who we're hiring for the other two spots, but uh, they're not official yet. But I'm excited because I think our coaching staff will grow tremendously. As we wrap things up with Coach Butch Jones here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank, are you able to – I know you've still got the two spots you want to fill, but are you able to catch your breath a little bit now? Or are you going to watch some of the bowl games coming up? I did want to ask you in particular about that Alabama-Cincinnati matchup coming up next week i know you're very familiar with both of those programs what's your take on that well, i think it's going to be a great football con contest you know i had a phone call last week i'm sitting and i'm in the middle of recruiting we're in a staff meeting and i get a facetime call and it's from uh my secretary from cincinnati and uh i'm like okay well she's calling me so i pick it up she's like oh my gosh coach i never thought you'd pick the phone up right now i know you're in the middle of recruiting and all of a sudden she goes, well, look who I have. And it was the, the chief of staff and director of football operations at Alabama. And those two were together at the college football playoff meetings in Indianapolis. So it was kind of a, a funny deal. And, and, you know, both invited us to, to be there for the game. But, you know, right now we're kind of sorting through those things. I kind of like just being in Jonesboro and just working on everything. And, it, yeah, it has slowed down a little bit, but recruiting never slows down. Um, it, recruiting does doesn't wait for anyone. So we've been 
100 miles an hour still in recruiting, but the ability to go in the office when you want for the next couple of days, kind of work at your leisure. But, you know, it's it's very, very uh, important time for us because not only for continued recruiting, but I'm assessing everything in our football program, every coach, uh, every player, uh supportive staff, everybody kind of laying the foundational pieces for what we need in terms of the winter strength and conditioning, the summer strength and conditioning, uh, spring football, areas of focus, uh, player growth and development. I'll meet with every player when they come back. I'll set up goals for them. I had them set up goals for themselves when they left, so to kind of get their thought process. So even though there's some downtime, um, there's never days off. We're working on this football program and evaluating, and I'm extremely encouraged. I'm excited to where we're at right now, where we're going. I sense a sense of hunger with our current team. Uh, I sense a bond with our current team, and obviously the recruiting class also helps build momentum as well. Last one for me, because I asked you this when we were standing on the field post game at Monroe, and I want to ask it again, you know, month, two months down the line, season in the rearview mirror. What did whether it's Coach Butch Jones or Butch Jones, if they're two different entities, what did you learn through the kind of the trials of this past season? Boy, you learn so much. You know, you learn about you, your your perseverance, your perspective on everything, your ability to lead, um, your mentality. Um, you know, I could see the progress that we were making every single day, but the results weren't showing on the scoreboard. But I think the ability to stay the course, uh, believe in what you believe in, and don't compromise. I think that's the biggest thing is a lot of times coaches make a mistake of compromising when things aren't going their way, kind of looking for the quick fix. And, you know, quick fixes don't last. And so I think the perseverance, um, and then you, you find out, too, who's with you. You know, that's the other thing is it's been a great evaluation tool for me also is, you know, it's easy when things are going well for everyone to be on board. But when you're struggling a little bit, you find out truly who's with you and you don't forget those things. And that's why, you know, when you talked about the media, when we started the podcast, you know, from you guys, you guys haven't wavered. You haven't blinked, you know, your support, your encouragement, all those things. I go to the basketball game the other other day and uh just being around our fans and feeling their excitement and stay the course coach and we know what you're going to build all that you know that that's inspirational you know that just makes you work that much harder so i think you learned a lot you know my family learned a lot but also i learned that this is a great great place to be and uh the future is very very bright uh, and it's an exciting time and it's hard when you win two games to keep that in perspective but I do see the progress. Um, I love our players. I think, you know, they they have grown a lot. And that's what is going to be the focus when they come back is you can never waste a failure. You can never waste an opportunity to learn. And so one of my questions is going to be is what did you learn through the course of the season? What did you learn about us as a football team? What did you learn from us about as a football program? And then what did you learn about yourself individually? And I think those are all powerful questions. Coach, we have really enjoyed the visit today. Mm -hmm. We appreciate you coming in and talking with us. And again, just thank you for uh, uh, everything you've done for us this past year. Can't wait until next season. In the meantime, Merry Christmas. Well, Merry Christmas, and I look forward to seeing everyone out for our spring game and spring game spring ball. And uh, you know, we're going to open everything up uh, to the public and let them come out and really let them know that we are their football team. And I want everyone to be able to see the progress that we're making. That's A-State head coach Butch Jones. We've got more to come here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank right after this. Your first home is like this dream. The day you walk in, the sun seems to shine more brightly. The ceilings, they just seem taller. And you'll never fix that creaky floorboard because it sounds like comfort. What a hug would sound like if it made a sound. And that's when you realize you're home. Really, really home. Realize your dream with a home loan from Simmons Bank. Dreams realized. SimmonsBank.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, subject to credit approval. Wrapping things up here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Matt and Brad with you one more time. And man, what a great visit with Coach Jones. And, you know, we mean it. 
what we said. He, he has been transparent with us. He's been fantastic to you and me, to Philip Butterfield, to the rest of the media all season long. And you can tell that, you know, there's a true respect there that, you know, hopefully we've earned on our end. And he, you can tell, has developed a, a level of comfort here as well. Yeah. And again, I, I don't, I said it there and, and hopefully people can understand, take the hint while I'm in, but he certainly has been the head coach in places where the, the media was just quite honestly out to get him. Uh, by the time his tenure ended at those places, one in particular. So I can get, when you combine that with the fact of the program he just spent the last three years in and kind of the structure there and sort of how Nick Saban handles things, being the, the, the lone voice of that program pretty much, we're honestly a little concerned about what's going to happen next because you couldn't have more transparency or access or all those things from that previous staff. So, you know, honestly, from our standpoint, we're pretty nervous because we got a chance to, to, for things to go the wrong direction. And it was just such a pleasant uh, surprise. And it's been fun working with Coach Jones and, and his staff. And, uh, and it was cool of him to come hang out with us. Looking at the week ahead, not much going on. We do have a couple of basketball games to wrap up non-conference play. But the A-State men wrap up non-conference play Tuesday at 4 against Lyon College. And you know, credit to Coach Bellotto and, and his staff and, and the staff over at Lyon College making this happen because this was a game that was originally scheduled to be played against Champion Christian Tuesday at 7 o'clock. But Champion Christian with COVID issues and you know they kind of threw this together last thursday night friday morning to to make sure these teams were able to play one more time before christmas and i yeah i'm happy for both teams to get that done um obviously if you paid attention over the the end of last week through the weekend a lot of teams having to shut games down and uh, that's scary to see happen uh, hopefully that'll slow itself back down but a state on the end of one of those so good to see lion come in here tuesday at four and meanwhile you know the a state women for the first time with destiny rogers running the show go on the road you know at siu edwardsville that game time tweaked a little bit the opponent in the day and all that stayed the same yeah they'll start at 5 30 now tip off at 5 30 it was originally set for seven o'clock and if you plan on listening in northeast arkansas you can hear that game on a different station than where they're normally at over on KBTM. That's FM News Talk 1021 and KBTM AM 1230. It's Christmas week. Do we have a Christmas week rant no, before we get no, out of here? No, no, no. There's nothing. I mean, it's as you said, it's Christmas. What could there be worth ranting about? Well, we, if I was going to, it'd be about the goofballs who will just sit and camp out for 14 minutes waiting for a parking spot at Walmart to save themselves eight steps. But I'll let the, we'll even let that go. Well, that's a good rant for another day, though. We appreciate Coach Butch Jones coming in and joining us for a good 45 minutes today. For Brad, I'm Matt. Merry Christmas, everybody.